0: Welcome to the Prime Life Project Podcast, a place to help you unlock your full potential both mentally and physically to become the best version of you. Welcome back to the episode of the Prime Life Project podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James, and today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome the guest, which is Cathy Bowers. Now, Kathy is a certified parenting and teen life coach specialist who specializes in parenting and behavioral problems. In today's episode, she adds some real value to parents or step-parents like myself they may be struggling with behavioral issues with their child all the way up to teenage years we talk a lot about boundary setting communication but more importantly how we as parents step parents can actually work on ourselves to help show up to support the little people or teenagers in our life this episode is full of real value and i know that you're going to get some fantastic nuggets out of this cathy also shares some real life experiences that she has had to overcome whilst working with her own teens and also ex-partner. If you're struggling potentially with an ex-partner that um, doesn't set boundaries, doesn't listen to what you're saying, then this will also add some real value for you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Cathy Bowers. Cathy, how are we?
1: I'm fine, Daniel. It's a real pleasure to be invited on your podcast. Thank you.
0: No, I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. And we spoke a bit off air that I've had people talk about parenting before, However, I was not involved in a little person's life at the time. So now that I am involved in a little person's life, this is going to be a very different kind of conversation for me because I've got some actual practical experience in this. But before we dive into that, can you just sort of take my audience back into what got you interested in becoming a parental coach? What was the trajectory of that happening?
1: Right, I started off when I was 16 as a nursery nurse, working in all different settings where children went, you know, schools, infant school to nurseries play schools and so on. And then eventually I decided after doing many, many years, I'd do something a bit more sort of challenging and that was social care, social care services. And again, originally it was just helping out for very short periods of time, um, sort of parents who were stuck in one particular thing like bed bedroom uh, routines and very quick, easy fixes. And then social care decided, this is a good team. Let's use them for the really high-ended cases. So I did that for 20 years, actually working with parents directly in their home around all behaviour and parenting issues. And it was good at first because I could sort of choose whether it was like a year, six months, three months with different families. And I was enjoying that. And then things, structures change. And then they offered sort of all families, only six weeks intervention, which is no good. Hmm. 2018, I decided to change and a train as a parenting coach, which is what I did. And I took that into the mix and it worked much better because they were now having to get full responsibility. But like I said, because of this only six weeks in the family, I didn't feel that was enough. Hmm. So I just decided, you know what, I'm going to come out and just do my own life change coaching business. Um, and work with parents who are ready to make those changes who know they're feeling stuck and they think well I need some extra help and just to improve the relationship and the communication with families which is obviously the crux of how everything functions.
0: So were you going in originally to work with the children and then the parents were involved and then you kind of realised that the parents needed to be worked on first is that kind of how the whole thing worked?
1: Well, it always was because when they they might say, oh, you've got this problem with the the parents are having problems getting the children up and ready on to school every day. And when I went in, it was in you read all the paperwork after because I always used to say, I want to see the family first before I read all the stuff that goes with them. And um, they had all sorts of problems. They had um, mental health issues, addiction, you name it, trauma from their own life as a child. and and so on so it was always the parents had to change first what was going on for them because obviously if you're if something's impacting on you you're gonna it's gonna affect how you parent your children and like so many families now most people are working. So being a parent is a full-time job anyway, you know, 24-7. But then if you've got the problems with having to go to work and earn a living, whether it's part-time or full-time, whether it's in an office or if you're working from home, the pressures you have just for that can impact you. Especially if, I mean, I don't know many people actually say, I go to work and I really love my job, I really enjoy it. No, we go to work because we need to put that funding you know, to pay for a roof over our head, put food on the table, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And if you're lucky enough to go on holiday, you know, mm. so, but you've got, I mean, I had it in my um area of work. You've still got people putting pressure on you, wanting more from you. You're giving and giving and they just want more. And the more you give, the more they dump on you. So it gets really unbalanced and you get really stressed. And some of us, Don't feel like you can turn around and put your hands up and say, right, I can manage this load. But if you give me any more, it's going to upset what I'm already doing for you and everything will fall to pieces. And it takes a a lot of courage to actually say that. But if that's really impacting on your home life, you have to say it because your main importance is your family.
0: Do you, think a lot of people, do you think a lot of people know the difference? Uh, sorry, do, do you think people know the, the correlation between the two? Because I feel like a lot of people wake up when they've got little people in their life and straight away off the bat, it's stress. Mm. We'll talk about it in a second. Then they go to work, it's stress. They come back and there's no respite and then there's more stress at home. But do you think people connect the dots between the work stress and home stress? I don't think so. No, I don't
1: think so. Because I think once you're stressed, once you've reached that level of stress, I mean, stress is good, like we all know, if it's for a short period of time, if you're being told, right, it's going to be really um, hard work for the next two weeks before you get this project out, you're, you're planned for it. And you think, okay, I'll put all my energy in and it will work. But when you get this type of stress, which is being put on you all the time, it goes beyond that. It's just stress that you can't control. This is the stress that's the killer. This is the stress that gives you mental health breakdowns. It gives you heart attacks. It gives you all sorts of difficulties. And when we're in that form of stress, we haven't got clarity. We're not thinking. Why is this happening to you? You might be saying, oh, I'm exhausted. I've got a lot of work at home, you know, coming from work, all this uh, demand. But you don't, as you said, put it together and say, this how I am is impacting on how I raise my kids and causing the problems. Because you're so stressed, you, can't, you haven't got that clear thinking in your head. You haven't got that space.
0: Mm. So what does that conversation look like then? Because from my experience, being in and around a little person, as I said, and then that then opened me up, opening me up to other parents, you know, when you go to kids parties <laughs> and stuff, the common consensus that I see from parents is that they don't ever feel like doing a good enough job. Mm-hmm. So you're then basically telling a parent that it's their fault, the issues that they're having, and they need to take some responsibility. And on top of that, they're super stressed. How does that kind of conversation go down? Because I imagine that that can sometimes not be well-received
1: um well i haven't had that problem with my families because first oh, really? of all i say <laughs> um, first of all i say what you've got what you're suffering at the moment is not your problem you didn't make this problem initially it's all you know a combination of everything coming on so the first thing you've got to do is take a deep breath close your eyes chill for, a, you know, a few minutes and then let's talk about what's going on first of all for you how is your everyday work what do you feel about it what are you struggling with what's impacting on that and then we look at that first to see what changes do you need to do you know and it's probably speaking with your boss to say i can't do everything you know that you're asking me i need a time frame i need to manage obviously the important things first But be prepared, if you have to, to say, look at your contract and say, right, actually, my contract says I work from nine o'clock till six o'clock, Monday to Fridays. So that's my time scale. It doesn't mean if I'm bringing work home, that's not part of my contract. So that's telling you that I can't manage it because I've got too much stuff going on. And plus the fact I don't work weekends. So, again, I shouldn't be bringing work home and therefore we need to have a conversation to how you can support me as my manager because managers are there to support the staff and make things run better for the staff they're not there to be managers for themselves to make loads of money and things that's that's not what managers do so you have to say right so therefore what can you do to help support me to be able to manage my workload Mm. so that it's within my time frame of my contract
0: mm, i like that. So, it's almost like it's almost what I say to people, it's like what's happened isn't your fault but moving yeah. forward then is your responsibility so you uh-huh. i imagine you almost like shine the light on the problem mm. so then they're like oh yeah actually this this is causing all this and then they can do something about it because i said you don't know what you don't know so just that actual act of highlighting all these issues you're having with your child are actually coming from this i imagine that it can almost be a relief sometimes then because oh, yes realizing they can do something about it
1: and you have at work, you have supervision, you have appraisals. So these are times when you talk to your you know, manager and you sort of say, right, we're talking this through, we're talking the next appraisals of what's expected of us. And you give your input, you're meant to give your input. So if you say, well, I can see this, but I don't actually agree with what you're asking me, it's, it's, too, it's much more complex than this, this work you're giving me, you know, the time frame, can't be met in the time frame you're giving me before you throw other stuff at me this needs to take a month you know a month rather than two weeks so you have to have that and you have to have a good relationship with your manager and if you find your manager is bullying you you've got all right to go further up you know the next level if, if this person is not supporting you, because that's what managers do.
0: Mm. Do you people get quite scared of having those conversations there? Because obviously within a, again, we're assuming it's, it's just corporate sort of environment, when people mm. kind of get afraid of having those conversations with their managers, uh, do you kind of help people navigate those difficult conversations and working on the communication? Because I feel communication is something people struggle with in the first place. Yes,
1: um, I don't really. But the thing is what, what most people, People they should be able to join a union that supports them, and they can have a word with their union. And the union rep can come in with them if they feel the need to support them in that way.
0: Mm. Okay, perfect. So right. I'm not in a corporate environment. So yeah. kind no, I always put I myself in the shoes of people listening to this, thinking that sounds well and good, but how do I go about doing this? So that's a great yeah. bit of advice there. So when it comes then the parenting side of things, because again, I, I want to give the the audience some real, usable, practical things they can do if they are sort of struggling. Um, mm-hmm. I feel communication between parent and young person is a is a big thing because they kind of want to talk to their again obviously depending on the age like the, the, the person person they're almost like a young adult when sometimes yes. they're not. So how can parents work on the communication between themselves and the little person in their life because it's got to start somewhere? So where where how do you how do you go about changing that communication?
1: Right, the, the first thing is making sure of that you're available. When you get home, you have that availability to be with your children. So they are the number one priority in your life that you're focused. So that's what you need to do. And then depending on your children's age groups, you know, if if and also how often you spend time, if you're doing part-time work, if you're working from home or whatever, um, you have to look at times that you'll be able to give each of your children even if it's 15 minutes to start off with of quality time with you with them so it could be for example a young young child if you're doing bath bath routines you have to make sure you're consistent so you have a regular bath routine with them but it's not just i'll put you in the bath dip 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 wash and take you out it's i put you in the bath and we'll have play with you. You know, we will give you structure so you can enjoy your play in the bath. We can communicate. So it starts to be fun. It opens up. That's one of the things you can do. Or the other one, a simple one, if you're struggling at first with routines and finding a space, bedtime. Take it so that you go to bed with them. You sit on the bed with them. You read them a nice story. You have quality time enjoying that story again it's not rushed it's a specific time that they know mum or dad are going to come and give me that every night so again it's another time of building that relationship or another one is playing with them making a specific time in the afternoon or early part of the evening where you'll say let's have a game together could be a simple board game snakes and ladders chess whatever you want to do with them and they want to do um Again, it's, it's having that time so they know specifically that's the time you'll be giving to them. So depending on your children's age, you can set that. Like if you've got a young one who's going to go to bed early, then you deal with that. You give them 15 minutes or whatever time, as I've mentioned. An older one you know, can go will go to bed later and one's already asleep, so therefore you can now find some quality time for them. A teenager, when all the others are in bed, the younger ones are in bed, that's the time for your teens because teens are up till at least 10 o'clock at night so again that's quality time you can say to them okay what time in the evening when we've put this lot shall we have together just to sound out how things have been going for you in the day what do you feel like doing on the weekend is there anything that's got your attention for a hobby and interest you know so you start opening it up with them so again they know that they can come and talk to you at that time specifically when you're available and you can listen to it if they've got any anxieties or just want to you know mess around and have a laugh with you
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: if you can on the weekend do something with everyone as a family unit and again at the end end of the uh, in, during the week in the evening do something that everyone can join in with you know again if board games are great
0: or even like food time, like having food time together, like having a present. Food time food. Is, is,
1: is important, but lots of families haven't got into this routine, which is a shame. They have to break it now, because what happens is older kids take their meals to their bedroom to watch whatever they want on the TV. Everyone's doing different things. So the focus now is to say, OK, let's all have our breakfast, all our meals round the family table together and our phones are put off you know, on silent or vibrate, we don't have them at the table. and um, This is a time for us to enjoy each other's company, talk freely, just make make quality time. And it's not rushed. I mean, even in, in the morning, when you're having breakfast, some mums say, oh, I don't want to have anything, you know, I leave them to it. No, it doesn't matter. So you sit and have a piece of toast and a coffee with your kids or even a coffee with your kids, but sit there with them. You're teaching them how to respond to each other, how to communicate. You're also teaching them good table manners, which are vital for when you've got jobs and you might be going out with, you know, someone from work. You want to be able to know how to hold your cutlery and things like that, and that you don't speak with your mouth full of food. So lots of things like that.
0: I want to go on to, I'm going to touch on boundaries in a second, because that's a, a yeah. key thing. So we're going to go, some, some of the stuff we're going to talk about, I'm really looking forward to diving in. But before we go there, I'm just putting myself, uh, paid devil's advocate a bit. So let's say, that someone's listening to this and they've got a teenager, let's say they are 14, 15, 16. So, again, <laughs> they are uh, in that argumentative phase and they've listened to what you just said there and they're like, I'd love to have that quality time with my teen. However, they've not had any of this stuff in place before. I imagine that if you're going to talk to a teenage boy or the, your daughter and say, I'd love to spend 15 to 20 minutes to talk to you about X, Y, and Z, they're going to turn around and tell you to F off. So how would you go about approaching that if you've never kind of had that conversation? Because especially as a teenager that hasn't ever had that kind of connection, mm-hmm. conversation, that emotional side of things, for you to then go in and be like, oh, I'd love to spend time with you to have a chat, that's probably going to freak the teen out. So how would you kind of drip feed that into conversation so that it, you don't? it's not met with resistance?
1: But the first thing you say to them is you may make sure that they're obviously coming in and they're willing to talk to you and just say, when you've got time, could I just speak to you? And then mm-hmm. when you do it, you just say to them, you, you don't nag, you don't bully, you're not pushing them that way, you're not being dictatorial. But you, you, what you say to them is, I realise that I haven't really been giving you much attention mm-hmm. and I would love for us to get a bit closer. How do you think? Ask them, what do you feel about this you know, you know, we, you're so busy popping out doing your own thing, and you're in your room. But I don't really know what's going on with you, and I'd love to be there to be able to support you, to um, give you any anything you want as regards emotional support or feedback on if you want. Do you want any hobbies to do? Are you interested in anything? Or how are things going for you at school? Are you are you struggling with anything? I want you to be able to feel. You can come to me and I can support and be there for you. And you just leave it. You just say, I've just told you what I think and feel and this is how I am. Please have a think about this and then perhaps we can talk again. So it's left in their court, but they, you know that they know that you really care about them
0: i love that you said that there it's you taking responsibility first so you yes. not being anything on anything you're the saying, adult
2: you're the adult that. i love yeah. that so
0: it's, it's owning it and being like i know that i haven't like, and yeah. explaining that and then well, and i've then, messed up <laughs> ex- exactly <laughs> saying, like, 100%, yeah. because that's also i think some of the friction is uh, as, as adults we don't like when people call us out so oh. if you're going to have a conversation and the first thing the team does is throw that back at you it can get your back up. whereas if you just nip it in the bud straight away and say listen i have not been good at this but yeah. I also love the second part you said there was then leave the ball in their court yeah. so you're not kind of like forcing it the issue. You, you can't, can't
1: push teams. When you can ready.
0: And then oh, I think the final key thing here is then if you've then left the ball in their court, when they do come to you, no matter what you are doing, make sure that you back up what you're saying. As you said, like if you if you do want to be there, you then have to back that up with action. Oh, 100%. That, the and work, they will you test it. you.
1: They will test you and they will use any excuse. If you fail once, i will say, well, you're not, you're not there for me. So it's up to you to be consistent. And like I say, be available, 100% available. That means they come to you, don't have your phone on, put that phone down, say, okay, hold on a minute, let's, let me stop. Or if you're busy at something, give me five minutes. And I've you've got all the time. You have my time a hundred percent attention. So they know that you, you know, that you really mean it. You're not gonna be talking to someone on the phone and saying, Oh, hold on a minute, wait a minute, because you're not giving that attention, you're not giving that eye contact or anything. And when they talk to you, which is very common for us, you haven't cleared your head, you're not really listening. So mm. they'll be talking to you and you'll be in your head thinking you could be thinking about all sorts of other stuff so you're not really hearing what they're saying or you could be already trying to start talk and think solutions on what they're saying they don't want your solutions they just want you first of all to actively listen to really hear 100 so you have to start getting clear with listening blank everything out of your head apart from their voice and what they're telling you and then don't be judgmental don't come back with it if you think it's a load of rubbish what's your bad body language don't say go <laughs> you know, he's talking a load of rubbish that's you know they'll see it you have to really think about the whole perception of you that you are open and available to what they're telling you mm. and then respond after that and so you can say to them i understand am i understanding this correctly that you've said this this and this is this what you're trying to get me to say and they might say yeah you've got it spot on or no no I haven't meant that so I said well can you tell me again I'm not haven't got the gist completely just let Mm. me know what's going on first
0: especially with uh, the kids nowadays the terminology that they use it may not make sense I think you made I think you made a really brilliant point there a fantastic point actually of the fact of actually be present so rather Mm. than just listening but your mind is elsewhere. Because I talk to people about this all the time. We've all been in conversations where the other person is yeah. in in physical form, they are there, but their mind is elsewhere. And you can tell they'd rather be at work, just not here. And the kids are so good at picking up on energy and stuff like that. So I think mm-hmm. the real key thing there, they said is actually just wipe it from your mind and be present and listen. You yeah. actually listen, not listen to then have your time to talk. I think it's a real key thing. But again, that again, that art of communication, because kids pick up on that. And just to have that, Because when I'm working in in schools, again, I do a lot of stuff in pre-schools or um, some of the naughty kids in mainstream schools. When I talk to them about needs, one of the biggest things they don't feel is seen and heard. Yes. At school and in their home life, they don't actually feel like anyone wants to listen to them. Mm. So one of the biggest ways that I get the rapport with them is just let them talk. As exactly what you said then, you're actually present and you're engaging in the conversation. You're repeating back what they've said. You're like, oh, tell me more about this. And they can tell... Do you actually are listening to them. Yeah, because you've them. heard
1: what they've said properly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And also look for their body language because they might be not telling you at all, but your bo- their body language, when you've asked them something, they might do a thing when they look uncomfortable. And you can say, oh, I noticed when we mentioned that, you know, talk about something, you felt a bit uncomfortable. What, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Because they'll shut down. They might feel embarrassed. They might feel they going to be, if they tell you something, you get angry or prejudge them. So you have to say, whatever you're telling me is fine. It's okay. I'm not going to judge you and I'm not going to get angry. I love you and I'm here for you 100%. But unless you tell me, I can't help you. I can't support you.
0: I love that. And I'm really glad we sort touched on that because like so the other stuff we're talking about obviously we're talking about like younger adults but the, the teenage years i know it can be a bit temperamental so we're mm-hmm. saying all this great stuff and i was like well, what about the teenagers that you haven't done this with and i think that all that stuff there is fantastic now let's just sort of link it back to um boundaries yes so this is something obviously i speak a lot about in the adult world but when it comes to young people how important are boundaries and if there has been no boundaries and you're then trying to implement boundaries. How do you go about doing that? So let's just have a conversation about boundaries.
1: This is good news. I mean, in my family, lots of the teenagers, I was meant to be working with the younger ones, but the teenagers came on board very quickly with me. And I was, they could see I was putting in boundaries and routines, supporting their parents to do that. And I said to them, what do you think about boundaries? And they all said, and this is not no word of lie. All the different families, the teenagers said, "We want them, we need them, we need the boundaries, and we need the routines." I said, "Okay, so if that's the case, why? What's happening in your home?" And they said, "We seem to be forgotten. They don't bother with us. Mum and dad are doing it for the younger ones, but we're we're lost. We're on our own." So I said, "Well, so." are they important for you to have? And they said, yes. I said, why? And they said, number one, it lets me know that they, my mum and dad care about me. They want to know me as a person and they, they're there for me. So it was very, you know, even the parents went, well, I didn't know that. Mm. And they said, it gives me security. Having those boundaries and routines, it doesn't matter what age, it gives them security to know what's expected of them and you know what the adults are asking mm. of them but it has to be when you set your boundaries and your routines you include everyone in the family it's a family discussion saying look this family needs forms of boundaries and routines it doesn't need a lot but we need them to the routines ex- especially because the routines of a day. Everything is structure. You know, you go to school, you go to work, there's structure going on. So family life needs that, especially if there's two adults, a mad dog, Mm -hmm. and, you know, one kid or a couple of kids, it doesn't matter, you all need to know where, where everyone's going, what everyone's doing. So to do it, put in a simple routines for how the day works you know the times people go to bed the times the people use a bathroom you know if there's a lot of you because everyone's fighting if they're losing the in the bathroom as well um times for bedtime routine what do you need to do if you have to get your homework done how how's that going to fit into the evening you know so you plan it all up and going to school some of the kids are going on their own transport you know they're walking to school okay so you have to work backwards sort of what time do you need to be in school? How long does it take you to work to the bus, you know, get walk to the bus stop, et cetera, et cetera? Right. We have to include you have breakfast time. We have to then include you get up for breakfast. So, what time do you have to get up for breakfast? Um, and you have to wash, you know, if you have a shower and then night before, that's great, but you still have to get your hair done, your teeth cleaned, and all that. So, that is amazing to have routines, simple stuff. So you can have it constantly throughout the day, you know, and the weekends the same. If you can keep the routines more or less the same, it works well. It also gives um, everybody space. It gives parents time to have quality time together in their relationship once the kids have all settled and done stuff as well. Because the last thing you want as a parent is to have all your kids or some of your kids still around at 10 o'clock at night with you
0: you know so how do you go about defending the boundaries without coming across too author or authentic or auth- <laughs> authoritative and and also on on the reason I'm saying that is when you talk about the teens and the teens want these boundaries when you're trying to <laughs> set boundaries in place with a four, five, six-year-old, they like to push back boundaries. So mm-hmm. how do you set the boundary and then actually defend the boundary without being too strict or uh-huh. too lenient?
1: Well, well, you have to, when, when you're setting the boundary, you don't have um, many, but you have obviously the ones, for example, there's no-nos, like if you're um, breaking each other's stuff or if you're causing damage or hurting someone in the family, you know, and there's going to be serious that boundary isn't acceptable so it's either you know you go to your room or whatever it is it's a a grounding if you're um got boundaries for example you expect your teens to come back at a certain time and they've got a phone and you want them to let you know that you're on their way back you also want to know where they are you know where they've gone and that's up to you as parents to check out The know the addresses of friends um, and destinations. Have the contact and make sure at least you've you've checked it every now and again. You phone that number so you know know it's a correct number. It's not just been you know Mm -hmm. a false one given or they've said oh I'm going out with so and so and you type they're not going some you know going somewhere different. So check all that out because you have to be able to confront them and say hold on you've just come back in and I've just checked because I wanted to make sure things were okay with you and you weren't at this person's home. So where, where were you? So you have all these sort of things in and if you have to put boundaries in, you, you agree with everyone sits down and agrees, you know, these consequences and the rewards, see if things are working well. So mm. consequence could be right. You know, if you, for example, you're not phoning, you're not phoning me to let me know you're coming back. You're not doing anything like that. So I'm going to have to start thinking about maybe grounding you grounding you for a day so you can think about things um if you're messing around on the phone all the time i don't know what you're doing on this phone you know especially smartphones and where who you're talking to so you're not keeping yourself safe i mean i can think of one example there was a girl of 12 and she looked about well she looked like a 12 year old you know not to, hmm. but her friend who was 2 years older she looked like a nine 18 19 year old mm-hmm. and her friend was encouraging this other one to go out because the mum was working all sort of hours and she thought her daughter was staying at home while she got back but she wasn't She's was putting on the makeup they were joyriding riding these men's cars people that she knew i said well, who are these people and she mm. said oh happened to be I went to this friend's house and he said oh come for a ride they were obviously starting to groom them they didn't Mm -hmm. have any sense and um, I then said to the mum when we found out what was going on I said right I'll I'll speak to the young girl but um, I might have to frighten her a bit is that okay she said please do just scare her Mm -hmm. so I just looked at her her friend had gone and I said we realize now that you aren't at these places you're not even at home when you should be at home hence why your mum's been locking you in when she goes to work and taking the key so you can't get out and you can't climb out the windows and things like that but this is really bad but I said have you any idea what you're doing you're jumping in you've you've told me you've gone from this place you've got in a car you've gone to another place where you don't know who's going to be in that house and there's been a couple of guys come and you haven't got a clue so i said so what happens if they they grab you and they rape you you know what gonna get so what are you gonna do i said look look out i said i could i could push you over with one hand and i'm i'm just a female i'm not a guy and i'm not a group of guys oh i'll um i've got my phone so i said do you think going in someone's car with your phone they're not going to take the phone off you I said, you are ideal. I said, you are beautiful. You know, she was oriental looking. I said, you are beautiful. And I said, I'll tell you something now. You are the perfect candidate for being sex trafficked. You are the perfect candidate. Your friend already looks and dresses much older. She looks like a 19-year-old. And if she's not careful, she's going to sure be put into prostitution. But you are worth a lot more value to them
2: Mm.
1: and she just sort of looked and she was really scared and i said and if no one knows where you're going and they take your phone away who's going to come to your rescue Mm. and you could see it ticking and i said well i'm going off you can have a conversation with your mum and things really changed after that because mum said right am i having these boundaries now and i'm taking that phone away from you but i'm giving you like an ordinary cheap phone you know, like a nokia thing that you can phone me and i can phone you and you can text and that's it mm. you're not having any of this luxury anymore
0: i think the thing with this as well like if people listen to this that may be as an extreme example that you're given there some of the schools that i go into it's one of the main things that's spoken mm. about is these young girls that are vulnerable yeah. In sex trafficking, is one of the biggest things that's spoken about yeah. um so again just in case people thinking oh that doesn't happen like it, it genuinely is such a massive massive thing um and again especially with kids they've got behavioral issues and all that sort of stuff it, it's such a massive thing that mm. i don't think mainstream people are aware of so because people think my audience that we listen to that thinking that's a bit stream, but it really no. isn't it, it really isn't and that's a scary thing it, it really really isn't so i just wanted to sort of like um validate that what you're saying there. That it's, yes that's not, that's, yeah that, i mean it, i've dealt, dealt really
1: with hard. that in lots of my families and social care going on
0: so so it's, then a parent, so a parent listening to that right now is instantly thinking oh my god i don't want that for my daughter or again let's go down the other route of, of the or, drugs or with son. The boy yeah or the yeah. drugs with the son as well yeah. H- how do we go about um being a good parent that's responsible without being overbearing without wrapping them in cotton wool how do we go about that from obviously the early years up until because you've mentioned some great stuff already about the communication having that safe yes. space etc but how do we really go about creating that kind of nurturing environment where um we're protecting the, these young people as much as possible without being too like rigid and yeah they,
1: they call that they, i mean it's a new term i haven't been using it but i heard people saying the helicopter parent which is when parents do everything for their children and then after a while they say to their children go and get on with that and the kids go get on with what because you haven't allowed them to test the waters you haven't allowed them to try things and realize that didn't work for me or i failed in that and you know they have to learn they have to with you have your support they have your backing when they're trying new things when they're exploring when they're making uh friendships you know you've got to be there to allow them to do that to encourage them to do that and you don't necessarily pick them up when they fall over say right that didn't work out for you but you're okay so what are you going to do differently you know or you've you've got yourself in a bit of sticky water and you're encouraging them to talk to you anyway so you can say you've got yourself in a bit of sticky water there you've realized you're going and getting into a wrong ca- crowd and you feel uncomfortable but you don't know what to do so i said the only thing you can do is just not mix with them is to back off not to get involved with them you know we'll get you into a uh, do a hobby or i'll come and collect you earlier or, or whatever so that you're not meeting them and we'll inform the school what's going on as well so we have to keep you safe mm. at all times we have to keep you safe But you're allowing them, they have to be able to develop and to grow. And as they've got teenagers, they will make mistakes. We've made mistakes. But as parents, we suddenly think, because we're older, I can see they're going to make this mistake. Mm -hmm. But they have to learn that things don't always work out. And they have to learn to manage that situation as best they can. But you're obviously aware as well but you don't want them to get in hot water and you're there to step in if need be.
0: Mm. I think you've raised a really good point here because one of the schools I went into that stood out for me last year, I did a whole year group assembly, I think it was year 10s and 11s. And one of the kids afterwards in the Q&A put his hand up and said, do you think we are the snowflake generation? <laughs> and I turned around and said, Yes. But it's not your fault. And my, my reasoning behind that is kind of what you mentioned is you've got parents now that are very well aware of the mistakes that they've made and how mm-hmm. their parents didn't necessarily give them the love and emotional support that they wanted. So now what you've got is parents wrapping the kids so much in cotton wool that they're not actually being exposed to real life. And I feel like yeah, that it has suffocates. To be, yes, yeah. that's been a real delicate balance of you letting the children make their own mistakes without Mm. it going to the extreme but then also not robbing them of that experience that they need to actually build resilience because life isn't fair things are going to happen and you kind of want them to do that so did you find that with any of the parents you've worked with have you sort of noticed a bit of almost like a generational shift that some of these kids now are wrapped a bit too much in cotton wool or yeah I've had
1: both I've had both scenarios overprotected, and then ones that haven't got any involvement with their parents you know the parents just say oh get on with it you'll find you'll find your feet sometime but not thinking about protecting them from certain days you know no no guidance yeah nothing no (laughs) guidance yeah yeah. but so it's really worrying and the thing is it's what amazes me when i think of my school day when you used to do sports we had competitive sports you know but, oh, in something when my kids went to school, oh, we, we don't do anything competitive now. Mm. Why?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: yeah. Life is know. competitive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, oh, we, we're protecting them. Safety. What do you mean, protect safety? Oh, that we don't want them climbing that tree or climbing that bit evaporated. They've taken the climbing ropes out of the way because they could fall and hurt themselves. So <laughs> mm. <laughs> I just think, what? What's safety? What hurdles, you know? oh we don't we don't have hurdles in our school why not it's part of sports no because they can fall into a struggle i said yeah we all did and uh, and hockey as well we used to get the hockey sticks and these are wacky you know but then it's like protecting them no we try and think of sports and those sports that aren't you know literally if you play football look how you get kicked in the face with a ball or, or whatever but they, it's just ridiculous how they're trying to mollycoddle everything and spoil things. I mean, mm. it's fun. I used to love climbing trees. I used to love jumping off walls into orchards. And, mm. you know, okay, sometimes I remember jumping off an orchard wall and landing, I had shorts on, and I was about 11. We were going into um, an orchard of trees. We could see all over, and we could see the pears and the apples. So I jumped off first. I was with my, my brother, who's my twin, and my neighbour two boys and myself and I jumped off and I landed straight into a whole bed of stinging nettles and Mm -hmm. they'd watch me go and then they thought oh shoot no that's no good so they climbed down the tree but originally we were all going to jump off but when they saw I was stung badly they they climbed down the tree but I didn't regret it i thought oh, it was a bit you know it was very you, you learned a
0: lesson you learned a lesson What's i learned are you a lesson jump?
1: <laughs> and we also got the pears and the apples as well and they were worth getting <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so, so, I, so i just as to kind of take a, a bit of a direction back from where i we went to one so of because again um I, i've always got things popping in my head but i want to sort of take it back to got boundaries <clears throat> Because nowadays there's a lot of um, parents that are separated. So so again, I want to kind of take it back to like age groups when um, again, the development's quite important. So let's say the ages of three to seven. Yes. How do you go about coaching, talking with, implementing boundaries when say one parent has got really good boundaries, really good communication and they're trying to create this nurturing environment. Yet -hmm. when they go to the other parents, there is nothing and it's carnage. And then yeah. every time the person comes back, this parent has to then reset boundaries. I, I had like, that
1: with my my, my own. So, so okay, <laughs> um, so can, we, can we
0: talk about that? I think that's a really real thing with a lot of people I to speak to. Yeah, it's a real, real I thing. Had the,
1: I mean, the thing is, it is very, very difficult. You know, when you're separated or getting a divorce or or divorced, you must come to an agreement with the other party. You have to say, "Look, we had these kids because we wanted them." <laughs> Excuse me, we wanted them and they shouldn't be piggy in the middle you know they're not a weapon we're not using them you love them and i love them and they love both of us so we have to for them want the best for them so let's try and um, have the same boundaries together same with grandparents anyone that has or anyone that has close contact with those children you should all use the same boundaries so the children know what's expected of
2: them mm mm-hmm.
1: But if you had like I had, my ex broke all the boundaries because he was trying to get back to me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: There wasn't a damn thing I could do about it. So I just had to be prepared for when my children came back, all hell would break out. You know, they would be testing me and sometimes I had one playing up or I have three of them going and the school even knew when they came, when he was having them for the weekend, because when he... When they went back to the school on the Monday, it took up to Wednesday, they were all over the place. And they used mm. to say, Oh, I know the kids have been with your, your ex. But all you can do then is just keep to your boundaries with them, reward them, comfort them. It was very hard because sometimes it was exhausting and they were like battling with you. But I realized they're testing you. They're testing you that you're not going to leave them. You're not going to let them down. And it does get better, but it's, it's hard work. It really is
2: hard work.
0: I'm really but glad you said that. I, you I, can I, I, do. I'm really glad that you said this because when you were talking, I was like, "This is really idealistic," but that's not how it works. And then you then mentioned it's it, it, your situation because, yeah. Again, as I said to you before, I, I now I'm involved in this very similar situation myself. Mm-hmm. The little person is not mine. Yeah. But when the communication, you try to set boundaries, and the other person's outright saying, "No, I'm doing it my way," and yeah. you can see that you can see the damage it's having on the child. Mm. Again, I know for for, for the case of a partner, it's exhausting. She yeah. then feels like, and again, she's being told by the little person
3: mm-hmm.
0: that I mean the other person's amazing, da 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 da, because essentially there's no boundaries there. They can do whatever they want. And mm-hmm. then comes in and she's quote unquote the bad person because she's the one actually setting boundaries yeah. to, to set him up long term. So do you have any advice? Because again, you've been there yourself. I know you've touched mm-hmm. on it a little bit, but let's let's talk specifically to younger you. Let's talk specifically to either the the the, the mom or the dad, because it does work both ways, that gets this child or children back. The children are being ridiculously naughty. They're pushing. They're testing. They're doing all this stuff. They're mm-hmm. saying they prefer the other the parent. You as the parent are going to be heartbroken by that. Yeah. How do we go about navigating that? Because that is a real turbulent thing. Like I know there's no right or wrong way to. I know it's no. There's no, you How just have to out?
1: keep reassuring them. Tell them you you love them. You're there for them. If, if they are being badly behaved then you put in the boundaries that you've already said, you know, like, I'm sorry, but you're going to your room for a while. You you sounds like you need to calm down a little bit. You need your space, your own space, just to chill out in your room. And you can say to them, what, what are you going to do that you're going to relax? Are you going to put some music on? Are you going to play? Are you going to draw? Are you going to read a book? Just do something for 10, 15 minutes, and then we'll talk about things. And it's so difficult, but you have to not shout or scream at them. You've got to show your control, and that's the hardest thing to do. But obviously, if you're kicking up a fuss when they're making, you're screaming at them, nothing's going to change. And you've just got to be able to to do that with them and make sure. But also what I did... um, as regards the holidays and things, I used to get the full calendar and I'd work out, he used to see them, I made sure he saw them on Wednesdays and then alternate weekends. And that I said, right, your kids might not want to speak to you, but you phone them every evening at such a time, you know, before it's bedtime. And you might speak to one or you might speak to two, or you might speak to three, or you might speak to no, none of them, but that's not their problem you have to make sure that you're consistent with that Mm -hmm. and i said and here are all the holidays marked off so these are the summer holidays and now i'm giving you a chance to tell me which of the weeks you would like on this time And, and and you and you do it and also um if they're coming on the weekends you know if he's picking up on the weekends alternate weekends i used to say i mean he tried this so many times he used to specifically let them down and not collect them on the weekend he was doing and then he'd come to my weekend and come and take them when he felt like it and i went sorry we've got things planned and i would shut the door I said no i said your children will know how much involvement you want with them if you do this i said it's no skin off my nose, but what you're doing is you're hurting our kids. So he suddenly realised he couldn't get at me or mess my weekends up with them, which he was trying to stir everything up. And eventually he realised, oh, well, I'm looking the, the, like the baddie. So, no, I will start picking them up and seeing them. And this is what he eventually it happened. It started to be much smoother. But I had to really dig my heels in and say, this ain't happening
0: yeah i love that so there's a few things that, again i want to sort of unpick here but the one question i've got to ask for any parent out there that is struggling with this obviously cause i know we spoke uh off air that your yes. children are now older uh, yeah, adults. what what age does it get better i know there's no i know there's no like oh when it hit this age but roughly speaking like what age does it start to get better where the kids start to kind of see the truth and the mother or the father the one that is putting these boundaries in at what age do the kids start to appreciate and realize what the truth the situation is
1: um that really depends individually on the children and their maturity uh my even when my youngest was seven and he would see go out with his dad he used to say to his dad why are you lying to this person mm. um you ha- you don't you don't do this you don't do that why are you lying you know things mm. sort of things like that and They got to know very quickly what their dad was like. I mean, my youngest again said, which really hurt, but I felt so sorry for him. It was like, I don't really like this person. I know I need a daddy and I know he's my daddy, but I don't like what my daddy is. Because when he changed, he changed, he was a con man. He changed 100% for me, which was great because I could get over him. But he changed also for his children. Mm-hmm. so he wasn't what we all thought he was but the kids now saw this person who was a their dad looked like their dad and they knew was his dad but this person acted completely differently and that was so hard and that took a long time they now as adults they've got a sort of respect for him but they didn't really have it they it it, it grew they mellowed and as they got older they they got comfortable within our family, you know, my household. Um, they knew, I mean, I, I was with someone for 20 years, but he never moved in because I, I protected my kids. I thought, no, you're first. Mm-hmm. So they were there. So it was just me and my kids and our pets. And they had that security around knowing I can come into mum's house. These are the rules. This is what's going on. And they that helped I suppose Mm. as they got older and older, they transitioned to feel more comfortable. And as they got to the routines of what was going on in the other household, they got to form their own opinions. And obviously as they got older, it was more manageable, but it was hurtful. I mean, he'd do things like he'd play all three off against each other Mm. and he'd say, Oh, my little one came back and he was in tears. I said, what's going on? And he said, Daddy didn't even buy me an ice cream. It's really hot summer. Daddy didn't even buy me an ice cream or get me a drink when we were out because he said that I was too much like you. Mm. And I said, So what happened? And he said, The other two, he paid money. He went up, they went up in a helicopter, helicopter rides, Mm. you know. And he said, But I wasn't allowed to go up. I I didn't do any. And this is what he was doing he was playing them off all the time. Mm. And it was so
0: cruel. So how So how do you... I, I'm really glad I'm having this conversation with you, by the way, because I've said it's uh, <laughs> as, as, as I said to you before, it's like it's, um, I'm a lot more involved in this conversation had I, uh, now, had I actually not had someone in my, uh, my life, a little person in my life. Because in that situation when the, the little person... Because, again, there's people listening to this, they're like, I can completely relate. Like, the kids yeah. are starting to see their mum or their dad, how they really are. Mm. My opinion on this is that you never bad-mouthed with parent. No. Now, but if, if little your little child comes to you and says my daddy's a liar mm-hmm. how do you respond when your child has literally told you what this other person is without bad them how do you go about that do you say well... "No, no he's not uh, yes he is like like how how do you navigate that because i imagine there's a lot of parents that are conflicted with oh you're starting to see the truth and they want to say yes mm-hmm. he absolutely is you're finally seeing him for but again, you don't want to. You don't. You really. don't
1: involve your children to into adult conversations and things. But if they come back and he's, you know, he said, "Oh, Daddy, so and so did like," I and I would just say, "I'm sorry you had to see that." I wouldn't say anything else. I just oh, say, "I'm sorry." That. I'm sorry you had to see that because what he used to do was he'd say all sorts of things. He'd say things to them like, "Well, your your mum's just as bad as me." because she's got a boyfriend and they turned <laughs> around and they said, yeah, but she had a boyfriend after you weren't living with us
2: hmm.
1: because he was messing around left, right and centre. And they were saying, so, but that's different to what you were doing. And they were saying, I wasn't saying anything. They were saying it, you know, and I I specifically would never tell them, even up to the adult now they don't know what went on with me and mm-hmm. his father because I didn't want to ruin any form of relationship they had when I didn't have to be involved with them. So when they got to 18, they had that relationship with their father. They could choose what relationship they wanted. So I never said anything about what went on. There was so much, excuse my friend, shit that went on um, with him and me and I could have sort of said, oh, he's done this, he's done that, he's lied, He's, you know, he's involved so many people. But I didn't. I just thought, no, that's private. That's between what went on between the two of us. If he wants to say stuff, I'm sorry that he's saying stuff and and pulling you into this horrible adult world that you shouldn't be privy to because you are kids. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't going to repeat that.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I'd
1: damage them further.
0: I think it's really important there, like just sticking to your guns, and sticking to your boundaries. And yeah. Like I've always said, they'll find out the truth eventually. It doesn't need to... Yeah. From, doesn't the only thing I mouth. used to
1: say was the only thing I want to know about is when you are spending time with your dad, if he's doing anything that hurts you or harms you yeah. or really upsets you, you tell me immediately because I have to speak to your father about
0: this. Mm, love that. Um, Final thing on this, because I don't spend too much time here. I want to link, link something else. Uh, what if... The child has been told to lie to the other parent. How would you go about broaching that subject?
1: Well, would the other parent know that the child's been told to lie? Uh,
0: yes. Yeah, so if the child comes back and says, this happened, but I've been told not to tell you.
2: Not, right. in a, not,
0: not in like, a, like this, for example, uh, think of bedtime routines. So, for example... Yeah. Uh, this is a hypothetical situation that definitely hasn't happened, that um, I... <laughs> someone si- the, the boundary at one house is the kid has their own bed, so got a great bedtime routine. When they go to the parent's house, they sleep in bed with the other parent. The boundary mm-hmm. has been set between two parents that he's got to stay in his own bed. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the final day of the three days, the other parent puts them in their own bed so that when they go back and is asked whose bed did he stay in, he will say, oh, I slept in my bed, when actually the facts aren't the facts. I mean, and it'll, 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 there's other things we've be told. Well, you can't tell mummy this. So how yeah. do you kind of navigate that? Where you will have, just, to have, like,
1: have to have mm. a word with the other parent and actually say, "This has come to my attention um, because he's you've he's very upset. He or she is very upset mm. and felt that had to share that with me. Mm. And so you have to please kindly not use them as weapons Mm. with us and you have to make sure that they're not piggy in the middle Mm. and privy because you want the best for our children i want the best Mm. it's as simple as that but if it continues i will have to then consider maybe supervision visits if you have to do it you have Mm. to stress you know i'll have to take some advice on this
0: because you, because the thing for me is, is, you don't want the child to get in a situation where they feel they can't tell the truth. No, because no. that then opens a very slippery slope for us. Exactly. You mentioned, exactly. Stuff so, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we touched on that. Now, I want to sort of take this in a different direction. Um, <laughs> what's your view on screen time? So, obviously, we talk about playing and stuff with, with kids yeah. and leaving them to their own devices. And it's very easy to give the child now, here's your iPad, here's your, 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 your yeah. Netflix, that's on, like only kids' channels, sit them down, let them do what they do. It's like easy parenting. What's yeah. your views on it? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it the replace for it? How is the rules is I I, I
1: think there should be restrictions because the thing is, I mean <laughs> it, it's difficult because I, I'm I'm a grand you know nan now and I see this at the moment but I have to bite my lip with it. Um because they lots of children, lots of babies even are given um screens to view and they can have the ones on on the phone or a little ipad or the television and they have it on 24 7 i mean years ago everyone used to put the tv on it was like bait the tv was babysitting the kids because the parents weren't bothered no what you what you're meant to do really is have specific times. so if there's a Loads of kids' programs, some of them are a load of rubbish. You've got to vet them oh, yourself, yeah, you know. Oh
0: God, some are um, absolutely. Yeah, and think they're not
1: learning anything here. But have a specific time when they can sit down. I used to do this in the nursery, the kids were playing, and then they know that they come up at a certain time. I can't even remember the name of the things we used to see. Um, would sit down and watch this particular thing for maybe half an hour, I think it was more, then it would go off. But if your child at home isn't sitting down isn't looking but is all wandering around the place and turn that tv off turn the the program off because they're not being engaged fully you know with what you want them to see so you have to it's like anything any forms of play time you have quiet time you have reading time you have um constructive time put the television on for them to watch at a certain specific time if it's a favorite thing they want and you sit down with them so you're both of you are watching it and as regards the older kids again television laptops computers they have to be restricted mobile phones smartphones have to be restricted so You don't want them 24-7 on. You don't have them on when you're sitting around having your meals. You don't have them on straight away when everyone's getting ready for school in the morning because it's going to restrict. When everyone's done everything they should do, you know, they have dressed, they're fed, they're ready to get out to school. And maybe you're, you're taking them in the car and your older ones are going by bus. Then let them have that time so it's calm. But you have to really consider, you don't want hours and hours of screening. You don't want them watching it just before it's bedtime because your brain is. I mean, I, I've done this so many times. I've done mm-hmm. Netflix channels and I've watched so much. I think, why have I done this? Mm-hmm. And then I go to bed and I can't sleep because my brain's going, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a real screen. key thing. Yeah, like one hour before bed. Even said to adults, one hour before bed just restrict your your TV. Yeah,
1: all of us that. do it. It's not healthy.
0: Uh, One question. I don't know if you're qualified to a- answer this. I'm just very curious on your opinion. Would you say that nowadays with the kids having all this access on Netflix and they can change whatever, because like you said, back in the day, you had to wait mm. for the TV program to come on. And if you missed yeah. it, you kind of missed it. Nowadays, they can click on whatever they want to. Do you see a correlation between the engagement with screen time and a problem with kids and attention? Now, there seems to be a lot of kids nowadays that have like been diagnosed with attention deficit disorder, blah, 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 blah. blah. Is it because there's just so much stimulus that's going on that they haven't ever really been taught to be engaged and pay attention to one specific thing it's like this instant culture yeah i
1: i think what they do is they do all this channel hopping don't they yeah they haven't learned that that's why it's so important for you to as parents do things with them get them into sports get them into hobbies of interest of concentration Do board games with them when they're really young because they have to sit and they have to wait their turn and they have to learn to do this game, how it works and understand. So, you do it from a really young age. You're because obviously, when they're little, their concentration span is probably about 10 minutes, and you just build it up. Mm -hmm. And that's all you're doing is building up this concentration span. But if you don't show them and offer the guidance, you're not going to have a teenager that knows what's going on. I mean, My daughter was a terrible flitter. I'd have a conversation and she'd be flitting all over the place. And I'd think, hold on, we're talking about this. Now she's talking about, and she was bouncing. And that was to do with screens. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're you're, you're bouncing all over the place. And then she'd eventually get back to the conversation we're having. And I'm saying, I'm lost here. Mm -hmm. Because I've just got distracted. You've distracted me because I've been trying to follow all these (laughs)
0: I'm uh, again i'm glad i went down that route because i think a lot of people struggle with that and not knowing so what mm. to do um my final question here thanks again really cost you your time uh, and this has been amazing for me personally I, i've taken a lot thank out you this. i've enjoyed uh, it really really taken a lot out of this um again you've covered a lot you have given a lot of advice so uh, either answer this by summarizing something you've already said or create a new answer um what advice would you give to a parent that feels stuck and out of control right now so depending on their kids the kids could be one two three up to 16 17 18 but they're feeling lost they're feeling that they're struggling to set boundaries communicate they just feel they've lost their way with a child Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to that parent
1: the first thing is to really look at what's going on for you make that change first to see why do you feel like this you know, are you suffering from depression? Are you suffering from work overload? What is actually happening? And then make a list. It's quite good to write stuff down. Make a list and then see what's the thing that's jumping out at you that's really showing you. And then think about what you need to do. Do you need to ask for help? Is someone there in the family that can help you? Or do you need to get, you know, go out further, um, talk to your GP or, or whatever it is? And then. The next thing is to think about what you want for your home life with your family. Take time and not beat yourself up about it because every day is different. Parenting is hard work. There isn't a book that tells Mm -hmm. you how parenting should be. I mean, they tell you that you should do this, you should do that. But if you believed everything and you tried everything in those books and it still didn't work, god what a failure you'd feel so stop stop that stop comparing yourself with anybody else because you and your family are individuals to anybody else you're different from next door neighbor or the one across the road so you just want the best for your kids so you have to think of once you've done that self-care for yourself you have to have self-care you have to look up and meet your needs because if you can't meet your needs how can you meet your kids needs so sort that out first. Then quality time, again, not just for your kids, but quality time each day for you because that gets your brain relaxed. It allows that vent of frustration to seep out and give you that mind space to give you more clarity to actually then look at what's going on for yourself with your family. Then make a list of what's going on with your other half or if you're on your own and think about the prioritize what's the the first thing you want to sort out and then get the family get the kids together and talk talk about it in a language that they understand and say right we have to make some changes here because i'm not feeling very happy and i don't think you're feeling very happy it's a bit chaotic here let's make the family home happier Mm. and then you take it from there you just slowly slowly do one thing at a time and you'll notice the improvement but unless you've done sorting out your issue for yourself first in your self-help first you can't start this bet you mm. have to look after you first because you have to be healthy and ready and and active and available to make those changes
0: I'm so glad you said that because uh, a good friend of mine the other day sent me a message and was having a conversation. I was kind of wondering where the conversation was going. And she turned around to me and says, so do you help parents then? And I said, no, I help the person. And yeah. by helping the person, it will then help their kids, their partner, their work. It's you, you focus on when you work on yourself and figure out the struggles that you're going through and overcome that, it affects every single area of your life. So again, wh- whatever it is, it's cause and effect. And what we mm. don't realize is that the cause is always nearly always down to us so once we start to change that and change how we show up it then changes the response that we get back so i noticed it again when my mum's sharing this because i'm very open on like when i first came into theo's life um the mornings would be chaotic mm. and i basically said to her in a very polite manner because obviously again not his uh, his dad a very polite manner. i kind of said it's my observation here that you're very chaotic And then when you're chaotic, it's causing him to be chaotic. And you're saying stuff to him like, oh, he needs to hurry up. But he was just going at his own pace. You're the one that's actually late. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that because, again, she wasn't aware of it. And then morning routines completely changed. Everything's a lot calmer. And then guess Mm -hmm. what? The kid became a lot calmer. So I think it's a really important thing there. So that cause and effect. And most of the time, the little person is just doing what they do. It's actually how we're showing up the situation that's kind of influencing them
1: and there's lots of books and cds out there that you can and videos that you can get free download for you to chill out to meditate to do Mm. whatever to help you with all your anxiety to you know all sorts of stuff Mm. so go for it if you haven't got anyone you can specifically go to or you don't want to at the moment try these tapes and things because they do work Mm.
0: And you've also got 240 episodes of this podcast that you can scroll yeah, back through. And, 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 exactly, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Daniel, yeah. Um, Kathy, where can people find out more information about you? If they want to connect and reach out and maybe work with you, where can they reach you?
1: Right, my website is life-change-coaching.co.uk. And on there, you'll see um, a, a click to book a free exploratory session with me for 30 minutes on zoom and that's where you can tell me more about what's going on for you find out how i coach and what i can offer you and let's see if coaching's right for you sometimes it might not be but most of the time it is and if i can help and be of assistance please please get in contact with me
0: Honestly, thank you very much for your time today. The value that you've added, for me, like I said, specifically for me, it's really been helpful in my opinion. I know there's a lot of people listening to this who've taken some real value out of what you've said. So I to say thank you very much for taking the time and adding that value to my audience.
1: Thank you very much. And I really hope I, I can help someone out there.